Okay, let's record this bad boy. Fuck, where's my script? Oh, hey, hi, welcome to Grind. This is a computer hardware and science channel, and you're listening to Get Your Bytes Together. For those of you wondering, I found my script. This is a series of videos that, well, help you put all the stuff about PC and gaming hardware together. No judgments, no leaks, no secret sources, no fanboyism, just rational thoughts on technology. I saw this somewhere, AMD showing in force, and it got me thinking, so today I'll be sharing those thoughts with you. Is AMD showing in force? Hmm? Nah. This is AMD desperately trying to catch up for good. In the last episode, where I talked about early Big Navi rumors and my predictions about the implications of Big Navi holding the performance crown, I said that Big Navi is going to have to be twice as fast as Turing, offer better value, and have the edge in features for at least a period of six months. In that light, holding the performance crown for a week or even a month means nothing. I will elaborate on that as we move along, but suffice it to say, AMD have mostly had the better CPU lineup technology and roadmap for let's say 14 months now. And Intel is swill swamped with orders. Also in today's episode, I'll be talking about perspective, innovation and competition in the PC and gaming hardware space. So it's going to be more of a ramble about PC tech for this fall 2020 than anything else. As I mentioned in the last video, link is in the video description, in this video's description, I don't expect that much of Big Navi. AMD probably knows that they're only going to be caught up with Ampere instead of taking the lead, and the fact that they could be doing it before Ampere launches means very little if they've been trying to catch up to Nvidia since basically the Maxwell days. Best case scenario, Big Navi is like second gen Ryzen. I'm sorry. The first RDNA products were, well, let's say, not as an open statement as Zen was back in 2017. So that's why I'm saying it's the best case scenario. And that's partly because CPUs don't follow the same rules as GPUs. Look at the CPU market. The new R3 3300X costs less than $130 and is on par with the Core i7-7700K that used to cost upwards of $350. GPUs? No. GPUs are not coming down in price, so that's probably what gets AMD's juices flowing and makes their eyes, excuse the pun, shine green. So it's an entire new narrative that AMD has to change, so desperately might not be the best word to describe their efforts, but they are born out of necessity, and the strong finish to 2020 is mandatory if AMD wants to convince anyone, who is not a fanboy, that they are really back. And all of that just to convince people they are back. It's going to take quite a bit more in order to get general public recognition as market leaders. This is of course not by any fault of their own per se. It's just that Intel is that big and has that kind of a grip on that many markets. AMD has to prove they're not resurgent just because of Intel being asleep at the wheel for far too long or Nvidia messing up their prices with endless greed. And it's also going to require quite a bit more than just good products, or even the best products. It's relationships with OEMs, building brand recognition, gaining trust, setting a strong foot in big data, etc. In short, it's going to take 
quite some time in addition to executing properly every step of the way and keeping the performance crown. It's a tall task for a resurgent company, to say the least. So let's start off with Big Navi. Twice the performance of a 2080 Ti. Is it feasible? The RTX 2080 Ti is about 40% faster than the RX 5700 XT. One of the very first Big Navi performance rumors was it being twice as fast as Navi 10 XT. If that's true, it is still not going to cut it, since that's still not 2x the performance of a 2080 Ti. So let's assume the worst. Big Navi is only 2x the performance of the RX 5700 XT. So that's assumption 1. And assumption 2 concerns pricing. Let's look at RTG's approach to mobile. You are getting the base Dell model with an AMD CPU plus GPU plus Smart Shift for about a starting price of 879 And an equivalent Intel plus Nvidia laptop is about 1200 That's how RTG is going to try and claw back some market share in the mobile space. So I think they're likely to undercut Nvidia in the desktop space with milder price tags as well. but. There's another option, and it comes down to just how fast Big Navi actually is going to be. Look at the 5700 series. They are fast for what they are, and their pricing unfortunately reflects that. So following that line of thought, I'm actually more concerned about an ultra-fast and expensive Big Navi than I am of a well-priced but a bit slower one. It is going to be a tough balancing act, especially if RTG decides to release Big Navi products before Ampere arrives, because my assumption is that Ampere is going to sweep them away. Remember, Ampere is a big improvement over Turing, both in terms of performance and feature implementations. Not to mention the equivalence in manufacturing processes. 7 nanometer Navi is good, but it's still barely on par with Turing, and Turing is on 12 nanometer. So yeah, Ampere is probably going to be a bit better still in terms of power efficiency. So let's hope for Big Navi's sake that RTG has prepared more than just good hardware. In the last video, I talked about Ampere a bit more, but to summarize it here as well, Ampere has its own goals. And no matter what AMD is doing with Big Navi, Nvidia has to improve their ray tracing before doing any big architectural changes. We're talking at least half the performance hit for RTX on, or less, with double the performance for AI and ML-assisted tasks. Let's just call that a 4x improvement in those features. And that's basically mandatory. These kinds of leaps in performance are simply not possible to integrate into a standard silicon design. Not in such a short time, and not without a huge increase in price. All of this leads me to believe that it's probably going to require a structurally different approach, like separating this extra functionality into a second die, although how that is going to happen and how it's going to be connected to the GPU, I'm not sure. All I know is that it's necessary to keep the prices down, so I'm expecting it to happen in some way, shape or form. Those are some of Nvidia's main goals with Ampere, regardless of Big Navi again simply because the current implementation of RTX is nothing than a prelude in their story with RTX. Let's not forget that consoles are also going to come out swinging shiny lights, monster power efficiency, data compression, and more. If anything, Big Navi might push Nvidia to show at least a trick or two they were intending to keep for high-end cards or even for a future half-step generation. Back to AMD though. 
AMD needs big Navi consoles and Zen 3 out all at the same time. I know it's an execution heavy game plan, but this is their chance. Consoles mean sales and marketing are going to be through the roof for a while, and they have to ride that wave and look strong while doing it. That's where the whole AMD is the new market leader narrative comes into play. But let's stop for a second and ask ourselves, what would actually happen if AMD succeeds? First of all, I wouldn't get overly excited. Looking at the PC market as a whole, remember, us enthusiasts are a small minority. It'll be like, finally, there's an official new old player in town. I don't know what else to name it. What I mean is that all eyes are going to be on AMD and Lisa Su. And if they succeed, it's going to mean only one thing. The game actually just begins. Just because we have verified that it has, doesn't mean everyone does. Mindshare is only the first step, but it is the first step. And it's a difficult one for AMD simply because they don't have the marketing budget their competitors have. We'll get to see just how much Intel is affected and not just leaked internal slides talking about AMD being resurgent or about financial horsepower. We'll get to see if Intel can sp still pull off their crazy under tactics. We'll see if they'll decide to join up with Nvidia again or pick AMD for a double round robin or maybe pull an AMD if their discrete graphics is any good. In either case, computer hardware is going to be interesting once again, sure we probably won't be seeing any 2x performance gains generation over generation. But let's face it, we are in a new era where the meaning and scale of innovation is rapidly changing. Actually, let's look at the bigger picture here and just quickly touch on the current state of innovation in the tech world. It is slowing down and proof for that is Intel's idea of benchmarks versus impact. Intel has been in the lead uncontested for so long and AMD has been in the catching up position. They both have a skewed perspective on what actual impact looks like. Getting PCs to the masses, improving the world of computing, making the world a no loading place. Those are all cool goals, but this is not the bigger picture. What actual impact would look like comes down to so much more than just hardware. It's the implications. We need a, excuse the pun, quantum leap if we are to ever successfully predict the weather, simulate the universe and learn about its secrets, create actual intelligent AI, reach photorealism, etc. Four cores or 104, these are all minor steps. We need new materials, new types of interfaces and data transfer ecosystems and architectures. We need a new industry that's more responsible, ethical and sustainable. We need better competition and fairer prices. Basically, we need a new tech revolution. Sure, slim down substrates and IHSs or chiplet topologies are all cool and exciting. But innovation isn't just about that. It gives you goosebumps and changes your life and the lives of everyone you know. It's awe-inspiring and hard to understand at first. It's not a slick trick or a cool new toy. So, you wanna talk about impact, Bob Swan? I think you're all failing at making it big and you are too slow. If you want to switch the performance crown for the impact crown, be my guest. But don't think that it's going to happen by measuring your 10 year growth and performance improvements. Remember Moore's law? You're all running late on that 
and that was just a prediction on where computing power should be at. So, where will all of this lead? Is it actually that meaningful? Or are we just witnessing history repeat itself? Will AMD lead us to a better world? Or are we just going to be gamers with a few more bucks to spare? I'll leave the discussion to you. I just wanted to mention my thoughts on the actual scale of the conversation and maybe help you get a deep breath of fresh, rumor-free air. Now, if you're actually interested, I have an entire new episode that I'm already working on about holdups in computing innovation, the battle between R&D and time to profit and more. So make sure you subscribe to the channel and you don't miss it. Let's move on to the more medium picture though. It's also interesting. AMD is making both CPUs and GPUs. Intel is headed the same way. And what that does is it leaves Nvidia as the graphics specialists. Looking at Intel's history, they'll probably be all locked down, while AMD is probably going to be more open and push for open source and free access. All of this already sets up the market for fragmentation and Nvidia are going to have to prove themselves if they want to add their own proprietary solutions out there, so they have to work harder. AMD on the other hand has lots of experience with custom stuff and not just from designing architectures for gaming consoles, which is by the way also a cornerstone for their mobile efforts. Their desktop is finally great and we're also waiting to see how the upcoming Aurora supercomputer is going to execute the one CPU plus four GPUs formula and take a look at their new Infinity architecture. Good stuff AMD. So even if Intel do get to working high performance modern MCM GPUs first, AMD might be the ones opening up the world to a whole new heterogeneous architecture. AMD is a company that has intellectual property for almost all major computing tasks. CPUs, GPUs, interconnects for both, software development and solutions for all of it. It's a long list that speaks of products for computing boxes of all shapes and sizes, from mobile to servers. So, I ask again, can AMD lead us to a better tomorrow? Moving on through the topic of PC and gaming hardware for the fall of 2020 though. Next up, I wanted to bring up an old topic regarding AMD Radeon drivers. And let me start with discussing AMD's famous fine wine approach. While with old RTG, FineWine was mostly a result of slower driver development and some forward-looking hardware, new RTG is probably going to provide us with an entirely new meaning of their FineWine. I can already see the signs of piggybacking software capabilities across generations and I'm only mentioning this because we'll probably see it with RDNA 2 when it arrives. It's debatable if they are doing the same on the hardware level. If Big Navi is still on 7 nanometers, we'll know we're kind of being inteled a bit. I wonder though, what would have happened if Raja Kaduri had stayed and fixed Vega? What would have happened if AMD still had their parallel compute heavy advantage in graphics and Raja was able to find a way to merge Vega's parallel computing capabilities with gaming compute needs? I mean, gaming, like everything, requires compute, but it's not entirely parallelized. It's not that it can be, it's just that the gaming industry is always in a rush and programming is rather stale and has been for quite some time, might I add. I still have to wonder though, is a good GPU ever going to be enough? And what makes a good card or a good gaming architecture? Where is the balance between good hardware and good programming currently? Well, we just have to look towards 
where the money comes from and big gaming money is flowing freely from gaming console sales and a new generation of them is coming up anyway navi solves vegas shortages by creating shorter 32 thread waves or put more simply instruction collections giving it the ability to work more efficiently with smaller groups of instructions which is actually very typical for non-parallelized workloads like gaming it also looks a lot like Nvidia's Warps instead of Waves and their GigaThread engine instead of, A instead of AMD's graphics command processor. But what happens if RTG decides to adopt more than Nvidia's approach to gaming architectures? Can you imagine Big Navi being to Navi 10 XT what RTX Super was to OG RTX? That's instead of having the relation between them be the same as between Ampere and Turing. Think about it. Is it really not possible for Big Navi to just be what original Navi was supposed to be in the first place? I mean, all the signs are there. Look at original Navi's launch, the pricing structure, the segmentation. You can't draw many parallels to Nvidia. And all of this is without factoring in the uncomfortable questions. How badly can AMD screw up DX12 Ultimate and ray tracing on their first generation that supports it, and then having to wait for RDNA 3 to fix everything wrong with RDNA 2? Kind of like waiting for Ampere to fix Turing's RTX? If that happens, AMD is still going to be playing catch up at least until after whatever comes after Ampere. At least AMD has the saving grace of actually making ray tracing a valid feature, but even that is by proxy because consoles are not really AMDs. AMD are just fulfilling orders here. And this is where all my thoughts about the minimum of six months of holding the graphics performance crown, launching everything at the same time and better pricing tied together. We have a new and unpredictable RTG. And I'm saying unpredictable because however much leakers pumped their chests with being right about Navi, we still lack the bigger picture. And it's almost big Navi time, so yeah. As the market changes and situations require different responses, tech gossip girls are probably going to be relying much more heavily on sources than analysis, rendering themselves as just basically glorified leakers. Back to the topic of Navi having a more NVIDIA-like architectural logic though. Why can RTG decide to change in that way, but AMD's CPU division can't? Intel is using monolithic design for their gaming chips, right? Nvidia, by separating their gaming architecture from their data center one, I'm sure the CPU division of AMD can start operating with Intel's monolithic approach, at least for their gaming chips, right? Chiplets for Threadripper and cores for days? Yes, please. By the way, who else thinks if AMD's graphics teams have a name, their CPU division should have one too, right? let's switch gears and talk about AMD's CPU division. Let's talk about AMD CPU, shall we? I've been thinking a lot about this part and I've decided to leave the upcoming Zen 3 out of the conversation and you know it deserves an entire video just for itself. So I'd like to focus on AMD's resurgence in the mobile market and thinking about Ryzen powered laptops, I can't help but wonder about Apple. So let's try and discover if Ryzen will ever end up in a MacBook. Before we do that, I'd like to talk about laptop design as a whole. And since we've been talking about AMD as a market leader, 
we need to delve deeper into the process behind creating not just any laptop, but expensive, high-end ones. For starters, expensive laptops are usually more complex and that requires some actual engineering and not just slapping a frugal cooler on top of some chips or changing the paint job. Since we're talking expensive, we're probably also talking fast and fast is also usually hot. And hot requires a design that's a bit more tailored and optimized. That kind of design, again, takes time and resources. And if we're talking about really exciting laptops, they're probably going to be designed around hardware that's not even out on the market yet. Frank Azor, chief architect of gaming solutions at AMD and co-founder of Alienware, said in an interview, link is in the video description, that AMD has been working on Ryzen 4000 mobile series for about three years. It's no surprise then that OEMs, keep in mind that Frank Azor has been on both sides of the story now that he works at AMD, are now starting to contact AMD about their mobile processors. That's all to the fact that Ryzen 4000 mobile has been a success. Intel, on the other hand, doesn't have that kind of problems, or at least didn't used to. They've been stuck on 14 nanometer Skylake iterations for years now. They've had a great track record and are a very safe bet. Predictability, familiarity, and let's sugarcoat it and call it slow innovation, make Intel a safe as well as a reliable bet from an OEM's perspective. AMD have proven they can introduce the best performance, price and power efficiency all in one great product. But it will still take time for all of that recognition to kick, to kick in. It'll still take time for that great product to find its home at the heart of millions of laptops. I want to briefly touch on why predictability and reliability are so important since it's all a very interconnected story. Let's say you're a laptop OEM and you're designing a new laptop. You might be trying out a new hinge, display, keyboard, cooling solution, screen position or number of screens, whatever. But if it hasn't been tried yet, it's a risk. Now try adding unknown or unproven hardware on top of that. This is why Intel wins, because it's one risk less that manufacturers like you have to take with their upcoming design or model. This is also why I think laptops have been stagnating for a while. Ryzen is not just introducing better performance at a lower price. Customizations play a key role in ability to stay competitive and drive innovations forward. And AMD is simply great at custom and semi-custom designs. Ryzen has the potential to revitalize a market that's gone a bit stale over the last couple of years. Sales might not represent that right now, but the market speaks for itself. All of this is true not just for Windows mobile devices, but for macOS or iOS devices as well. However, dozens of OEMs designing multiple new cooling architectures and embracing everything from SmartShift to PCIe Gen 4 takes time. Factor in the innumerable hardware combinations that Windows devices bring to market and you've got a relatively long adoption period. Sure, that period is only going to start getting shorter as more Ryzen processors arrive to market. But this requires AMD to keep on improving and innovating and keeping prices down to stay competitive, all at the same time. As AMD's partnerships with OEMs matures, the process will keep getting faster and less complicated. But again, 
This all takes a bunch of time. So the first question is, how can AMD save time? Windows laptops come in various shapes, sizes, and hardware combinations. MacOS devices don't. They have a specific set of hardware combinations, and if anyone can fine-tune it, it's Apple partnering with AMD. Let's first take a look at the why and the how, and then we'll be able to easily assess if an all-AMD Apple mobile machine, I'm not saying laptop, any kind of mobile machine, is even possible. Why is AMD plus Apple the fine-tuning paradise? Let's start with AMD. They have lots of experience in custom design. In custom design. And that's easy to see with their APUs, some of which we'll be seeing in the upcoming consoles. Apple, on the other hand, has lots of experience in fine-tuning their systems, both on the hardware and software level. And they are in dire need of innovations. Oh, and let's not forget that both companies are early adopters of 7 nanometer silicone as well. The same will probably be true for 5 nanometer too. Apple is already developing and shipping their own bionic low-power chips and are reliant on Intel for higher-power ones. But let's face it, at this point, expecting the best performance and efficiency out of in an Intel mobile CPU is just as much of a risk as expecting it from AMD. However, if Apple decides to start selling more of their bionic chips, which can't scale to Ryzen or core levels of performance for the moment at least, they will have to entirely cut Intel off from some of their lower power designs, which in turn means order volumes towards Intel will fall. And let's not forget that both corporations are big enough to not back down from negotiations if that happens. Intel will want to keep their customer, and if Apple has decided to purchase less silicon from them, Intel will want to increase the margins in order to meet their revenue targets with lower volumes. AMD has the opportunity to sweep in with lower prices for the hardware, but that's not going to be enough. Tight contracts and software will be in need of re-optimization, and both problems will make the shift rather difficult. This is where AMD's experience in custom solutions kicks One. in. Customizations play a key role in ability to stay competitive and drive innovations forward on the hardware level and with custom AMD and semi-custom custom and semi-custom design fixed function hardware. Two, AMD can offer said, solutions AMD is to all the headaches that but come most attached to such a big shift. AMD is not just known. We already to mentioned how They've some optimizations can be negated and proven or done on the hardware level. And this, again, AMD can easily implement them involved. because they are more flexible so to than Intel. And is they AMD Apple mobile product possible? CPU and GPU. 3. Apple will be able to sell more of their own chips and make more money that way. And 4. Contract money, it can be made back. Missed revenue because of higher prices or not good enough partnerships with Intel, can't. With more Apple chips to sell, money saved on fine-tuning, cheaper products from AMD and Apple are already using their GPUs mind, and a potential partner with shared 7 nanometer experience, Apple have a good deal on their hands, if they choose AMD. Last but not least, it can be the thing that defines Apple, or at least helps them stand out in a crowded market. However, we already have the likes of Asus's G14 or Dell's G15 SE, so an all AMD mobile machine is not going to be defining to Apple. Nvidia is getting to 7 nanometer as well, so if anything, this could actually pose some risk to Radeon GPUs. Also, Intel have just lost Jim Keller, so alongside that, with already heightened expectations, 
they are now feeling the heat of, on the innovation front as well. So if Apple wants to try out their own chips, some negotiation power is lost on the side of Intel as well. If Apple were the first to market with SmartShift or with a crazy new form factor, it would have been amazing for both AMD and Apple, yeah. But that's not what happened. What happened was AMD put their technology up for grabs, as they usually do, and in the end, that alone was enough to shatter any eventual possibilities for an all AMD Apple machine. Don't get me wrong, AMD might still end up as a replacement for Xeons, but that doesn't exactly speak volumes to me, or about big market shifts. It's actually quite risky for both companies. AMD will have to put a lot of work in to satisfy just this one huge customer, and they still have their own eyes on data centers, so it might actually be a distraction for them, posing a serious risk of AMD being gobbled up by Apple. Apple, on the other hand, will be putting all their eggs in a single basket, so even if it looks like a big change, adopting all AMD hardware might not be enough to convince people that it's the right basket. Maybe an all Apple machine is more likely. This will cut out all middlemen, greatly increase their margins, and free Apple from external factors. But let's face it, both are equally ungrounded assumptions at this point in 2020. And with that, this episode is coming to an end. Thank you all for listening and don't forget to drop a like and a comment if you found this episode interesting. Please also consider subscribing and I hope to catch you in the next one.